Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features three episodes of Shandu the Magician. Each one is about 15 minutes long and they are serialized. The audio on the second episode is a little spotty. It's not too bad, but not real good either. They aired in June of 1948. Chandu, the Magician. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The makers of White King Granulated Soap present for your enjoyment tonight and every weekday evening at this time, Chandu, the Magician. Listen, and you will travel to strange lands. You will thrill to high adventure, romance, mystery. The magic of Cairo and Baghdad and the East, with their strange secrets and mysterious ways, will hold you spellbound. And just as you will like our story, so will you like the soap we make. White King Granulated Soap. It is so easy on hands that thousands and thousands of ladies say it's just like magic. There are many tales told on the radio, but only one Chandu. There are many soaps on your grocer's counters, but none like White King. You'll love White King granulated soap. And when you buy White King tomorrow, save the box top and tell your friends to save White King box tops too. Now, let the play begin. This is the story of Frank Chandler, known in the secret places of the Far East as Chandu, and of his widowed sister, Dorothy Regent, living in Beverly Hills, California, with her son, Bob, and her daughter, Betty. It is twilight as our story begins. Dorothy Regent stands by the window, looking out into the darkening garden. Chandu, the magician. In the living room? In the dark. Didn't Uncle Frank come? Oh, he'll be here in a little while, Betty. I'll turn on some lights. Hey, what gives, Mom? You look kind of funny. Oh, well, you startled me slamming the door. That's all, Bob. Oh, I'm sorry. We were in a hurry to see Uncle Frank. Where is he? He was at the airport when he called. Mother, what's the matter with you? Look, you've torn your handkerchief all to pieces. What? So I have. What makes you so jittery? Is Uncle Frank trying to smuggle in a bunch of rubies from India? Oh, Bobby. When did Uncle Frank call you, Mother? He said his plane had just landed. He had to go through the customs, you know. Well, then what makes you think he'll be here in a few minutes? Did I say that? Mother, you don't usually fall apart like this. Do you know where the airport is, Mom? Of course. In Burbank. Oh, no, it isn't. Not the one where Uncle Frank had to land. What? Well, it's way out in San Bernardino County. I checked on it from school this noon. All the planes from the Orient land there. But that's about 50 miles away. I know it is, Bets. Well, look, Mom, sit down here and tell us what's the matter. Is it just because Uncle Frank makes you remember Daddy? Oh, gee, I, 
I didn't think of that. Is that it, Mom? No, no. Why should it be? We know how you feel, Mother. Even if we can't remember Daddy very well. Well, it, it's not that exactly. <laughs> I might have known I couldn't keep anything from you two. Keep what, Mother? Oh, I can't explain it. All day long, it seemed as if a storm were gathering. Right over this house. But it was a beautiful day. I know. But I've been going to the windows and even out in the garden, looking up, expecting... I don't know what. I, I couldn't seem to help it. Well, I don't see why Uncle Frank coming back would make you think of a storm. Well, I know there's no reason for it, Bob, but I... Mother, was Uncle Frank here when Daddy went away? Don't be a goop. You know he was in India, Betty. Wasn't he, Mom? Yes, he'd gone there from Egypt a year or so before that. Of course I wrote him when I got the news about your father. Didn't you ever hear anything about what really happened to him? To Daddy, I mean? No, dear. He just happened to sail for home on the Athenia. When it was sunk, well, all anyone knew was that he wasn't in any of the lifeboats. Oh, I wish I knew why I should have this premonition of... I wish Uncle Frank would get here. That's what I wish. Try not to think about it, Mother. Tell us about Uncle Frank. I can't even remember what he looks like. Oh, I can't either. How old is he, Mom? He's two years older than I am. He's tall, quite good-looking. Oh! And I imagine he must be pretty brown after so many years in India. Oh, he sounds marvelous. It'll sure be good to have another man around here, you know that? What do you mean, another man? What do you think I mean? Oh, now, you two. Betty, you better go up and change your dress before Uncle Frank comes. Okay. Gee, I hope he brought me a sari like East Indian women wear. And a veil. They make women look so mysterious. Uh, oh, you make me tired. Go on, Betty. All right. You can change too, Bob. Never mind, I'll answer. Hello? Yes? Oh, Frank. Where are you? <laughs> well, I can't help crying. I know there's no reason for it, but... I'm, I'm listening. But, but, but you can't possibly get here in less than an hour. The traffic is... What? Yes, I'll do it, but I... I can't see how. All right. Yes, I will, Frank. I can't wait to see you. What did he want, What did he say? Oh, he wants us to draw the curtains and lock all the doors and turn off the lights. Why, for Pete's sake? What's wrong? Well, he didn't say. Maybe he's going to play some kind of a trick, like he said he used to do when you were a kid. Oh, I hope not. Not today. Well, I told him I'd do as he said. I'll see about the back door. You do the curtains, Betty. I'll lock the front door. Okay. I hope Uncle Frank isn't going to turn out to be one of those chintzy characters that hands out trick dribble glasses. Wouldn't that be awful? I don't see why we have to turn the lights off. Well, maybe he didn't mean that. Hey, Mom, does he really want the lights off? Yes, he does, Bob. He said he'd be here in five minutes. Fifty miles in five minutes? Well, that's what he said. So let's just sit down and wait. This better be a very hot gag. Yes. Imagine if somebody dropped in and found us sitting around in the dark like a bunch of spook hunters. Oh, Betty. I'm sorry, Mother. I didn't mean it that way. Listen. Whatever it is. Hey, do you suppose Uncle Frank is really going to... Now you may turn on the lights. Frank! Oh, Frank! Oh, you 
can't imagine how glad I am to see you. <laughs> so go on, Uncle Frank. Tell us some more about India. Well, let him get his breath, Bob. Estella will bring the coffee into the living room. Yes, come on, Uncle Frank. Well, do we have to get you a mat to sit on, like a yogi? <laughs> there are cigarettes in the blue box, Frank. Thanks, Dad. Mother looks a lot better since Uncle Frank came by. Yeah, I know it. What are you two plotting over there? Oh, nothing. Uncle Frank, do you know any of those fabulous Indian princes all weighted down with diamonds and rubies? Well, I've met one or two, Betty. Did you ever shoot a tiger? Well, I wasn't in India for sports, you know, Bob. Well, did you spend all the time learning to do things like getting into houses with the doors locked? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Aren't you two overdoing this a little? Well, he still hasn't told us how he got in here, Mom. Yes, how did you do it? I'm afraid you'd find it a little hard to understand, Betty. Well, if you won't tell us, do another trick for us, huh? Make a rope stand up alone, or... Or a rose bush grow right up in a flower pot. You know. Yes, I know. Those things are the stock and trade of every wandering park here in India. You just wait until my luggage comes. Gee, do we have to wait? Do a trick now, huh? Come on, Uncle Frank. Oh, all right. Here's a little ivory box that was given me by an Egyptian sorceress. Oh, come now, Frank. It's true, Dot. Although she was more than that. I happened along one dark night in time to save her life in Alexandria. She said the box had occult properties. Oh, what delicate carving. Can I see it, Uncle Frank? Well, how does it open? Just press on the front under the center of the lid. Oh, it's empty. Close the box again. And Betty, mm-hmm. you take it and hold it between your hands. Like this? Mm-hmm. Now, Dorothy, you put your hands over hers. Why, Frank? You'll see. All right. Open the box. Oh, why, there's a ring inside now. <laughs> Say, not bad, Uncle Frank. Take it out, Mother. If not, it's for you. Well, where was the ring before when we opened the box? <laughs> you wanted to see a trick, didn't you? Oh, but I don't. <laughs> the ring's real, Dot. Put it on. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you, Frank. I'm glad you like it. Oh, I do. How about another oh, trick, yes, Uncle Frank? No, no more of this tonight. Uncle Frank and I have all sorts of things to talk about. Oh, oh Mother. Frank, did you come back from India on business? Not ordinary business, Dot. There is something I have to do, though. Tonight. Oh? Uh, Bob, bring me that black bag over there, will you? You bet, sure. I didn't see this thing before. Sure is heavy. What's in it? A crystal ball. Well, thanks. I'll put it here on the coffee table. All right, pull up your chairs, all of you. You're not serious, Frank. Indeed I am. And I'll just turn off some of the lights. Again? Frank, I really don't like this. I've had the strangest feeling all day that something's going to happen. And what I... if it is a gag, Mother? Let's go along with it. It's no gag, Bob. All right, everybody. Look into the crystal. Look, Dot. There's that funny sound again. There's something in the crystal. It looks like clouds. It is clouds. Over a big lake. You're looking at Dal Lake in the Valley of Kashmir. In India? Honestly? Lotus flowers. What's that ahead of us there? A houseboat. And, and there's an old man sitting cross-legged on the deck. Who is it, Uncle Frank? Watch closely now. There's another man with his back to us, with a a sun helmet on his head. Talking to the old man. Frank, it's you. The 
other man is you. My son. Listen, Dorothy. Listen. You came to tell me you are returning to America. Something tells me I should go back, my teacher. You do well to heed the inner voice. Sit here beside me and look. Tell me what you see. Hey, he's got a crystal ball just like this one. And Uncle Frank's looking into it. What did you see, Uncle Frank? I saw this house. And you. All of you. You did? But why did you jump up like that? My son. Wait, Dot. I want you to hear this. Do not fear for those you love. Have I not given you the three secrets? Yes, my teacher. I know them now. They should be enough. But now I give you the most precious gift. The emerald casket of the three times three. But it is yours, my teacher. I need it no longer. I am going to a higher place. Take the casket. And remember, there is danger in all knowledge. But in fear is the greatest peril. I know. Still, I hesitate to take the emerald. It is written that you have taken it. For countless ages it has been written, my son. Guard the secrets well. I will. And use them only for good. I'm sorry to say goodbye to you, my teacher. There is no goodbye, my son. Yet there's a shadow across the water. And an icy wind. Yes, sir, I feel it, too. Hey, Mom, you're here, not over in India. Oh, I don't care what you say. I feel a cold wind on the back of my neck. What does it mean, Frank? What does it mean? We pause before we say good evening to suggest that you and your family listen to Chandu every weekday evening at this time. Travel with us to strange places and faraway lands, into the mystery and intrigue of Egypt and the Near East. And, of course, we'd like to have you use the soap we make. White King granulated soap. You'll love White King. Anything that can be washed may be washed with White King. With safety to fabrics and colors, kindness to your hands. The only hands you'll ever have. So on your radio, remember Chandu, the magician, every weekday evening at this time. And at your grocer's, remember White King granulated soap. No other soap is like it. You'll say no other soap has ever done your work so well. Good night. Chandu the Magician is based on the original radio drama created by Harry A. Earnshaw and is written by Vera Oldham. The program is produced and directed by Cyril Armbruster. Your announcer is Howard Culver. The makers of White King invite you to listen tomorrow at this time when the story resumes. Chandu the Magician. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Chandu the Magician.
evening, ladies and gentlemen. The makers of White King Granulated Soap present for your enjoyment Chandu, the magician. Before our play begins, we would like to take a moment, and I mean just a brief moment, to say something that will help those who have clothes to wash. Our suggestion is that you use White King Granulated Soap. Put White King in your washing machine. If your husband happens to do heavy, dirty work, if his overalls and jumpers and work shirts have made you work and washing trouble, you'll not only like what White King does, you'll say, I love that soap. And your hands, the hands you'd like to keep young and lovely, how kind White King will be to them, the only hands you'll ever have. And listen, save White King box tops. You're going to want them for something you're going to hear about on this program. The moment is up. Now, on with Chandu, the magician. Frank Chandler, known in the Far East as Chandu, the magician has unexpectedly returned from a long stay in India to the Beverly Hills home of his widowed sister, Dorothy Region, her son, Bob, and her daughter, Betty. But Chandler does not know that all day Dorothy has felt a strange premonition of disaster. She forces herself to say nothing of it, even when Chandler produces a crystal ball and urges her to look into it with the others. They are shown a scene in India with Chandler on the deck of a houseboat talking with his teacher, the yogi. As they watch, Dorothy is overcome with terror. Chandu, the magician. like that, Mom. Let her alone, Bob. Uncle Frank, please do something. Please. There's nothing in the crystal now, Dorothy. See for yourself. Oh. Did I just imagine all that? Oh, of course not. We saw it, too. But that icy wind on the back of my neck. You must be unusually sensitive to these things. But if we really did see that... that picture in the crystal, why did it suddenly disappear? Because you were afraid. Bob, you may as well turn on the lights again. Okay. Too bad you had to get all jumpy, Mom, just when it was getting interesting. Frank, you said you looked in the crystal over in India and saw us here. Say, how did you know it was our house, Uncle Frank? You went to India before Mom and Dad built it, didn't you? That's true, but I knew it just the same. And I knew there was something like a dark cloud hanging over it. Why, that's just what Mother said. A storm gathering. Somehow, Dot, you felt it, too. At any rate, that's why I suddenly knew I must come back here. You don't mean you can look into the future? That's too much to believe. No. At least I've never been able to yet. Dorothy, where are the plans of this house? Well, I don't know. Why? I'm trying to remember. Did Robert destroy them by any chance? Why, I don't... Oh, yes, I remember now. He burned them. 
I'd forgotten all about it. As soon as the house was finished. Did he ever tell you why? No, I didn't ask him. I was rushing around with decorators and gardeners and so on. You know how it is. You don't, though, do you? With no wife to follow you about, insisting on knowing whether you think the draperies match the rugs. <laughs> I see what you mean. What became of Robert's things, his books and so on? They're still in there, Frank. In where? In his room, just as he left them. Nobody's ever been in there since Dad was drowned, Uncle Frank. Not even Mother, have mm, you? No. no. I see. Robert designed that wing of the house for himself, Frank. There's a library and a chemical laboratory and a small bedroom and bath. I almost never went in there, even before Robert went away. He didn't want me to. He said it might be dangerous. Well, why do you care about Dad's things after all this time, Uncle Frank? Because I'm sure it's time someone went in and looked through them. I know I should have done it long ago. First, I meant to. I thought I'd get rid of all the apparatus and the chemicals and perhaps sell the books, but I kept putting it off and... Well... I know. I suppose it was just a feeling that as long as Robert's things were there, he'd be coming back someday. That's childish of me. Mother, it is not. Well, at any rate, Frank, now you're here, we'll do it. In the next day or so, if you like. We must do it now. Tonight. Hey, what's the rush? Yes, after nine days, uh, or years, a day or so won't matter. I wish I were sure of that. What do you mean? Where's the door to that wing? Down the hall to the right of the dining room. It's been locked all this time. And where's the key? Up in my room. Oh, I suppose I may as well face it now. Bob, run up and get the key, will you? It's in a little blue leather box on my dressing table. Sure, Mom. Oh, he'll never find it, Mother. He can never find anything. <laughs> All right, run along and help him look if you like. You can laugh, but you know how boys are. You're a drip. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Betty's a lot like you at her age, Dot. Is she? <laughs> you know, Bob's not in the least like Robert. No. Now, do you think Robert might have built another room in that wing of his without telling him? Oh, well, of course he might have. He was so anxious not to have me know anything about that wing that I tried not even to look at it. I do know he had a great steel vault put in there somewhere. What made you think of that? I'll tell you if we find what I'm looking for. Well, shall we get started? I only hope it's not too late. Here's the key, Mother. It didn't take much hunting. It was right in plain sight. I'll give it to Uncle Frank. Oh, thanks, Betty. It's kind of weird going into rooms that have been locked up for almost ten years, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, wait a moment until I find the light switch. Oh, yes, here. Oh, look at the dust. So this was the library. Did Dad read all those books? Brother. Oh, I suppose so. Mother, over by the door. A big bronze statue. Oh, you're not kidding. Well, what's it supposed to be? It's a Buddha. Well, what would Dad want this thing for, Mom? Oh, it was given to him years ago in Singapore. Oh, it's a creepy thing, you know that? It kind of smiled at you, as if it knew a secret and wouldn't tell. Well, perhaps it does. Oh, hmm. now, wait a minute, Uncle Frank. Buddha seated on a pedestal covered with lotus blossoms. Might be... Well... Yes, it is. Oh, look, Bob, look. The 
statue's turning right around. Well, how did you do it, Uncle Frank? There's a concealed spring in one of these lotus flowers. The statue swings around. And there's a stairway under it. Yes, and that's what this light switch is for. It lights the basement room. Well, can't we come down? Yes, come along. This is what Robert did with that steel vault, Dorothy. It's a filing room. <laughs> Buddha was certainly an ingenious way to hide the entrance. Mother, why would Daddy have all these rows and rows of filing cabinets? Well, you know he was a chemist, darling. Among other things. Well, I suppose I might as well start with the desk. Nothing seems to have been disturbed, though. Everything's covered with dust. Disturbed? How could it be? I don't know yet. I have a paper sometimes. Oh, it's in Robert's handwriting. Let me see. It's a letter. Or a part of one. Not signed. What's that name? Dear what? Bowden. Know who he was? Bowden, Bowden. Oh, yes. He was in Robert's class when he took that postgraduate course in Berlin. He was a scientist of some kind. What does the letter say? It says, Dear Bowden, despite our disagreement, I have often thought of writing you to ask you once more to give up your experiments. If they fail, you will have wasted precious time. If they succeed, you will have produced nothing but disaster for the entire world. What was this fellow up to, Dot? I haven't the vaguest idea. Go on, read the rest of it. Let's see. Even now, alone, I am on the verge of success. I beg you to give up those plans of yours which you know are unworthy of any scientist and join me. Well, that's all. Robert never finished it. That wasn't like him. You know what, Mom? What, Bobby? Well, well, maybe he didn't go to yours at all. Maybe he had amnesia or something and just kind of wandered away. Oh, don't be silly. You talk like a comic book. Oh, of course he went to Europe, Bob. You know, he sailed for home on the Athenia. Could he have heard from this Bowden before he left, Don? Well, if he did, he didn't tell me. Well, we'll just have to hope he left a record of what he was doing in one of these files. Does it make any difference where we begin? Yes, Bob, we'll begin here at this end. I have a feeling that... Well, hey, what's the matter? Is that it right off the bat? I think so. Oh, let's see. Oh, just a minute, Betty. Another thing. You'd better go back upstairs. Why? Because... Let me see what you have there. It's just a sealed folder with an envelope fastened to the outside. Is the envelope addressed to me? It may have been meant for you or for Robert's attorney. Well, then let me... Oh. To be opened at once in the event of my death. And I've left it here all these years. Now, don't blame yourself, Dot. No, Mom. If, if it's anybody's fault, it's Dad's. He knew you never came down here, didn't he? Oh, don't say that, Bob. But he's right, Mother. How could Daddy think he'd ever find it? I should have gone through everything. If only I hadn't let myself think he'd come home. Like the others who were found long after the ship went down. Well, why don't you open the envelope and see what's inside? Might not amount to anything now. You open it, Frank? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what is it? It's instructions about the contents of the folder it was attached to. Is it important, Uncle Frank? Yes, indeed. What does the instruction say? It says the sealed folder contains the drawings and formula of two discoveries Robert had just made. Oh, maybe this is the reason he didn't send that letter to Bowden. Hmm. Here, Don. 
Read it for yourself. The results of these discoveries could be so terrible that I'm often tempted to destroy the records in my experiments. However, one man suspects their existence. So for protection, I shall keep these records as long as I live. But they must be destroyed at once at my death. I cannot accept the responsibility of giving such processes to an unstable world. Destroy the contents of the folder unread. Good heavens, Frank, what can it be? No one will ever know. Oh, are you just going to tear up the folder without even looking at it? I certainly am. Oh, but it's valuable. Your father knew what he was doing, Bob. What he was doing, Bob. He'll take it upstairs and burn it. Don't even want to know what it's about, Uncle. Wait a minute. The seal's been tampered with. It's impossible. We haven't touched I'll it. I'll have to open it now to make sure that... It's empty. Oh, no. Yes. I was right. We're too late after all. May I say something to the ladies on the subject of hands? There is an extra special quality in White King soap that is extra specially kind to hands. And I'll tell you what it is. If you use the kind of soap that needs hot, hot water to make it work, your hands are liable to be rough and red, no matter what kind of soap it is or what claims are made for it, or what it contains. But listen, White King, with its nuts and vegetable oils, doesn't need hot water. In washing machine or dishpan, for heavy clothes or filmy, fragile things, White King washes the dirt away in water that's just about body temperature. Ever hear of anything like that? No wonder millions and millions of ladies say, I love White King soap. That's what you'll say, too. Chandu the Magician is produced and directed by Cyril Umbrister. The makers of White King invite you to listen tomorrow at this time when the story resumes. Chandu the Magician. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Chandu, the magician. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We present for your enjoyment, Chandu, the magician. Before our drama starts, we would like to ask you a question. Had you noticed, perhaps, how difficult it was to buy White King in the years we've just passed through? There were other kinds of soaps on grocer's shelves, often in abundance, but seemingly so little White King. Well, White King is made largely from precious nut and vegetable oils. These were scarce. We couldn't begin to fill demand for our soap, and we wouldn't sacrifice quality. The ladies who are our customers are intelligent people. And so, when a package of White King did appear on a grocer's shelf, it was quickly bought 
and taken home and treasured as perhaps no other soap has ever been. Maybe you haven't tried this different kind of soap. It will do so much of your work for you that you too will say, I love White King Soap. Frank Chandler, known in the Far East as Chandu the Magician, has learned of an unknown menace to his widowed sister, Dorothy Regent, and her two children in America. Unexpectedly, he arrives at their home in Beverly Hills. There, he discovers that one wing of the house contains the library and laboratory of Dorothy's husband, an internationally famous scientist. But the underground rooms have been locked since Regent's death at sea nine years ago. Searching them... Chandler finds that important drawings and formulas have somehow been stolen. Chandu, the magician. Don't look like that, Mother. You couldn't help it. Oh, yes, I could. I could have destroyed everything in here years ago. But no. I just turned the key on it and left it. All those dangerous secrets for someone to find. Well, there's no use wringing your hands about it now, Mom. Well, let's go back upstairs and call the police. And tell them what, Bob? Why, tell them we've had a burglar. But we have no idea what he took. A sheet of paper or a set of blueprints? We don't even know when the man got in here. Frank, there's nothing we can do, is there? I hope so. I saw the fellow, you know. You certainly can't call the police. Tell them you saw the man in a crystal ball away over in India. Well, this isn't a matter for the police, Dorothy. Look here, let's give this up for tonight. We found out that I was correct in thinking something was wrong here. That letter of Daddy sounds as if he was making an atomic bomb or something. Oh, Betty, don't. I'm sorry about this, Dot. It would have been hard enough for you to walk in on all of Robert's things, even if we found nothing wrong. Come along. We'll leave the rest of it tomorrow. Well, I still can't see how anyone could have got in here. And even if they did, how could they find these stairs under the Buddha? Uncle Frank found them. Oh, he knew they were here, didn't you, Uncle Frank? Well, knowing your father, I thought he might make use of the Buddha. He must have been quite a guy. I never realized it before. Yeah, turn off the lights down there, would you, Bob? No, I will. Well, show me how the Buddha works. Well, you just press this bronze lotus here, the third from the right. Oh, I see. It's just an electrical contact. Uh-huh. The statue turns around, so the pedestal covers the stairway. Oh, yeah. You'd never know the stairs were there at all. Unless Dad told somebody. Well, he surely wouldn't go to all that trouble to hide the stairway and then tell someone. Hey, what's that? Sound we've heard before. Frank, Frank, where are you going? Come on, all of you. Hurry. Where? Into the living room. It's the psychic summoner. Oh, no, Frank, please. Don't be afraid. You'll probably hear it often. It means there's a message for me. Look at the crystal ball over there. It's kind of shining, as if there was a light inside. Now sit down quietly, everyone. Look into the crystal. comes up in the glass like developing a film. It's a room. An oriental room somewhere. Egypt. How do you know, Uncle Frank? I just know, Betty. There she is. The woman coming through the door. In regular Egyptian clothes. Even to the veil. And Mother, those bracelets. And that wonderful necklace. Oh, she's cute. Do you know her, Frank? It's not, Jim. 
princess who gave you the emerald ring you gave mother? Yes. Oh. I don't understand this. What message is there here for me? She's just sitting there on a divan thing like she was waiting for somebody. Oh, I see now. There's a man coming into the room. Oh, what an evil face. Gray. And really wicked. Do you know who he is, Uncle Frank? No. This must mean something to me or I wouldn't have received the summons. you can never see anything in the crystals when your mind is calm. But that man did say something about Robert. He sounded as if Daddy was still alive. He sure did, but, but that doesn't mean he is. Oh, he seemed so certain. And the princess did, too. Don't you know who he is, Frank? No. Roxor, Nadji called him. It sounds like a coin name. As if... As if what? Well, if it's spelled R-O-X-O-R, as it sounds... It's spelled the same forward and backward. It's a very ancient trick of, of sorcerers. Sorcerers? You mean black magic? Exactly. I don't see why we have to get all mixed up in black magic and everything all of a sudden. It scares me. I don't wonder, darling. But if there's any possibility that your father's still alive, we want to know it, don't we? Why, yes, of course, Mother. Only I... Frank... Can't you send a cable to the princess or something? Well, I haven't heard from Nazi for years, Don. I don't even know where she is. Well, can't you find out? In time, I probably could. Then why don't you? Wait a moment. Don, just what proof did you have of Robert's death? Why, first a letter from the steamship line. They checked all the passengers, of course, after the sinking. Mm -hmm. You know, the war had just broken out. 
I think the Athena was one of the first ships sunk by the Germans. Well, I was up in the mountains of Kashmir at that time. When I came down to New Delhi, I got your letters. That was the first I'd known of Robert Smith. I remember. Well, I even went to New York. Great many of the survivors had been brought there. But nobody'd seen him. Oh, it can't be possible he's alive. If he was, why wouldn't he have written to us? Well, I told you down there in Dad's room, maybe he had amnesia or something. Well, even if he had, Bob, if he'd been pulled out of the sea, it would have been reported to the steamship line or the British government. Oh, well then, what did the princess in that rock saw mean? It seems to me I'd better go over and find out. Go clear over to Egypt? Yes, why not? But you, you said you didn't know where the princess was. I don't. But the last time I saw her, she was in Alexandria. I could go there first and try to find out where she is now. And if Robert is alive, she might know where he is. And besides, I might be able to get back those formulas before... Before what, Uncle Frank? Well, let's say before they fall into the wrong hands. But for Pete's sake, what, what makes you think they're over in Egypt? I have a very good reason. Oh, yeah? What is it, Uncle Frank? I can't talk about it. Why not? Someday, perhaps, Mom. I wish we could go with you, but I suppose it's out of the question. Why, not at all. Honest? Could we really, Mother? School is out now, so there's no reason why we shouldn't if Uncle Frank wants to bother with us. Oh, I hope you're not kidding. About a thing like this? Frank, you know how it would be sitting here and wondering every moment whether you'd had any word of Robert or if he's really alive and maybe ill somewhere. I think you're quite right. Then first thing in the morning, we'll call about reservation. And see about passports. Oh, that'll take a while, won't it? Not necessarily. And don't worry about reservations, Dad. What? The way bookings are now? We may not need them. Gee, are you going to charter a plane just for us, Uncle Frank? Well, I don't think so, Betty. We may need faster transportation than that, you know. Frank Chandler, do you mean some sort of... of this magic of yours? <laughs> I didn't say that, Dorothy. Well, you certainly implied it, and I don't know, but I like it. Well, then let's say no more about it tonight. You had enough talk of the occult for one evening. But I want to know what you mean. All I mean is, if it's necessary for us to be somewhere else, well, that's the way it will be. You sound so serious. And you look as if you thought I were out of my mind. Well, I don't know what to think. You've read of people who have become involved in mysticism and presently white can't sing. Is that it? Well, yes, it is. <laughs> don't be afraid, then. I know perfectly well why I was permitted to learn the things I have. And I may need every power I can command before we're through with this business. I see that now. Wow, Vern. And here, Betty and I thought you'd turn out to be a square making with dribble glasses for laughs. Oh, keep still, Bob. You thought what? For <laughs> <laughs> once, I'm glad to hear that kind of talk. It sounds so normal. <laughs> Come now, all of you. We're going to bed, and no more talk of magic or mystery tonight. Oh, I'm much too excited to go to sleep. Even if you thought you'd... Wake up in Egypt? Frank, please. All right. Listen, Dot. The rest of you go upstairs. I'll turn out the lights when I come up. No, you don't, Uncle Frank. I heard it, too. Heard what? A noise out there in the garden. There it is again. Turn off the lights, Bob. Quick. How do you like that? A guy with a turban on his head. Just outside the window. I bet he heard everything we said. Uncle Frank, be careful. Here we are. All of you. Come on, I'll have to catch him, Uncle Frank. No, stay here, Bob. Let him go. I know who he is. And now he knows we all saw him. Oh, for heaven's sake, call the police, Frank. We don't need them, Dot. But this settles it. We'll have to leave here at once.
I say something to the ladies on the subject of hands? There is an extra special quality in White King soap that is extra specially kind to hands. And I'll tell you what it is. If you use the kind of soap that needs hot, hot water to make it work, your hands are liable to be rough and red no matter what kind of soap it is or what claims are made for it or what it contains. But listen, White King, with its nut and vegetable oils, doesn't need hot water. In washing machine or dishpan, for heavy clothes or filmy, fragile things, White King washes the dirt away in water that's just about body temperature. Ever hear of anything like that? No wonder millions and millions of ladies say, I love White King soap. That's what you'll say, too. Chandu the Magician is produced and directed by Cyril Umbrister. The makers of White King invite you to listen tomorrow at this time when the story resumes. Chandu the Magician. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. This children's adventure series stars Frank Chandler, an American who learned mystic secrets from an Indian guru as the mysterious Shandu. The character of Frank was played by Tom Collins. Shandu traveled all over the world with an emphasis on the Middle East and the lost continent of Lemuria. When in trouble, or to find information, Shandu would whip out his trusty crystal ball to spiritually coax an answer from the mystic powers of the ether. Other characters in the show include an Egyptian princess, the evil Roxor, later played by Bella Lugosi in the Shandu movie, and Shandu's sister. The show first started in 1931, had a short run, then was revamped in 1948 and lasted until 1950. The programs we have are from 1948 and 49, and last about 15 minutes each. It's a good, fun adventure show, not really an insightful exploration of the complexities of Middle Eastern cultures, but then again, it's got a lost continent, and that's pretty cool. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.